What up, though? How y'all like our new crib so far? We in this, all right? Look, ain't nobody sitting on the flow, all right? Some of y'all are in the bleachers, but it's all right. We loving it, all right? Hey, we in this. Come on. Man, praise God, yo. Uh, hey, I am excited to be here. I'm excited about what God's going to do here, sincerely. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. But um, listen, God did so much in and through us while we were at Campbell Elementary. And if you're new with us, and we've been in elementary school the past several years, and uh, I got teary-eyed last week leaving it, thinking about like the baptisms that happened, or uh, man, the salvations, people coming to know Jesus. We launched a church out of that school. Like we've sent missionaries out of that school. We've uh, multiplied community groups in our community over and over. Like just so much gospel being preached, so much, uh, man, worship being given to God. God did so many things while we were there. But I've been saying for a while, I feel like God is wanting to do something with us here as well. Like God is wanting to use us as a community to make much of his name here in this city. Like I believe that the best is before us in a lot of ways. And that God is going to use us to magnify his name even more and push back darkness even more here. And as God continues to move, we want to move with him in that. And so I'm excited, not just for Campbell uh, and what will happen there, but really to build eternity-changing moments here as well. Amen? Come on now. Eternity changing is exciting, y'all, all right? And we get to be a part of that. And so God is doing something. So thank you for loving on us, for bringing others into the family, for proclaiming Jesus here in this city. Like, we ain't even getting to the sermon yet, and I'm finna break out into a praise dance, all right? Like, I'm feeling it right now, okay? So let me give you a little bit about where we're going today, because it's going to be a little bit different than normal. We've been going through Second uh, Timothy, and we're going to keep that series going, but we're going to take a quick pause, since this is our first week in Martin, and do things a little bit differently. We wanted to really pause and seek God's face and say, hey, what would God have us be as a family here in this space? What would God uh, have us do in this next season of our lives? How would God have us interact with him and with the community around us and really just spend some time seeking the face of God? Does that sound good? So that's what we're going to do this morning. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them. Second Chronicles chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Y'all are like, we opening up this joint with Second Chronicles? We show is, all right? If you uh, don't have a Bible, some ushers are coming forward. Raise your hand. They would love to give you one. If you don't own a Bible, uh, if you would actually uh, raise your hand if you feel comfortable and take and keep that as our gift to you. If you just forgot the word and want to use it, man, take that. It's awesome. You can also follow along on your smartphone. Uh, you can open up the Version app and type in the Well Austin in the events section, or you can follow the links that are on the screen. Uh, man, new location. We're the exact same people. People, though, and so we say this every week, we want your eyes on the word. We really want to be a community that is empowered by the Spirit but submitted to the Word of God. We believe that God's Word guides us and guards us in so many ways, even as we'll learn in 2 Timothy. So we want your eyes on the Word for God to interact with you during this time as well. Now, as you're turning there, 2 Chronicles 6, let me give you a little bit of history about what's happening there. Solomon was the third king of Israel, and he was actually King David's son. And so if you're familiar with King David, if you've heard that name before, this is his son who took over for him in this way. And what he's doing is he's building the temple. In fact, what we're going to read today is actually the finish of that building. This would be the place where the people of God would come to worship God, where uh, everybody around would 
would actually come and interact with God and interact with the people of God so that they might know God in a more uh, beautiful or clear way. Now, David actually wanted to build the temple, but God told him there was too much blood on his hands, so he couldn't do it. But God promised him that he would allow his heir, his son, to go build the temple for him. And that's what Solomon's doing here. He's fulfilling the promise that God gave to David. Now, the Israelites, they put a ton of labor, a ton of time, a ton of money, a ton of sacrifice, a ton of uh, vision and effort and talent into this temple building. And here they are, they're finally finishing it. And they did all of that so that people would have a place to interact with God. Very similarly to how Stephanie was just saying, there's been so much labor and money and time and effort given so that we can have a place where people can interact with God and with the people of God that we would know God more clearly. Because though we are not the temple and though we are not building temples, the New Testament says that our bodies are now the temple of God. And so as we come together as a bunch of many temples, what we're doing is we are displaying the glories of God and all of who he is. And as we interact with each other in our distinctiveness and our diversity and our uniqueness, we're seeing God in ways that we wouldn't be able to without each other. And so in a very similar way, as they built the temple, we want to build up ourselves as many temples and collectively as the temple of God, as we gather together to exalt the name of Jesus. You follow him? Hello. Amen? You're going to make me preach for like an extra 25 minutes, all right? You got kids, you better start saying amen, brother, preach it, all right? So uh, listen, a place is not blessed simply because it's a place. A place is blessed because God decides to make his name known there. And I believe that God wants to make his name known here at the well, Austin, that he wants to make his name known in and through you, and that through us, others would come to know who he is. Like, you are the people of God, and so let's make much of them while we are here. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. Back to Solomon, okay? And so Solomon, he is here, and after all this sacrifice and labor and effort, they're finally in the temple, and they're about to worship. And what Solomon is going to do, what we read today, is actually pray a prayer of dedication. And so let's go ahead and pick it up. Second Chronicles uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse 12. It says this. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord and the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long and five cubits wide and three cubits high and had set it in the court and he stood on it. Then he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven and said, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all of their heart. Several things from the jump, okay? First of all, this is actually the longest recorded prayer in the Bible. It goes out through verse 42. And after all of this sacrifice and planning and building and all of the anticipation and the excitement and the encouragement, Solomon didn't ask for anything of God off the get-go, right? He wasn't kind of boasting in what God was allowing him to do as the king. He didn't exalt Israel like, look at us, Israel, we in this, ah, right? Like though they were one of the more powerful nations in that region, and though they at this time had peace around them because they had conquered their enemies, though this temple was magnificent, Solomon doesn't start with any of that. He built a platform like he was about to preach, and then he got on his knees and sought the face of God. Dag, that's good. 
Now listen, chapter 5, Solomon does give some people some encouragement. He speaks to the people and all that stuff. But at the pinnacle of the moment, right before they're about to uh, enter into the temple for the first time, he seeks God's face in prayer, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to seek the face of God in prayer, much like Solomon did, and he dedicated the temple to the Lord. We want to dedicate our time here at Martin and even this place to God the Father and to seek his face in prayer. You see, think about the context here. Solomon is this high, high king. In fact, one of the most powerful men in the world, Solomon bows to no one. In fact, everybody, when they see Solomon, would have bowed before him. But Solomon, in the sight of all of Israel, gets down on his knees and bows down because he knows there's somebody greater than him. He knows that there's a king that's higher than him. He bows down to king in heaven, God the Father, Jesus Christ, our son, or his son. And we see God, or Solomon bowing down before God and humbling himself in this way and exalting God through this. Solomon knew who was in charge. He knew that he needed God's hand to be moving if God was going to make himself known there. If the temple was going to serve its purpose, then the hand of God had to be the one moving within it. Solomon, despite all of his majesty and all of his glory, all of his power, no matter how awesome Solomon was or how big his army got or how many chariots or how much money he had, he knew that he was nobody if God wasn't moving through him. And no matter what we do here as a church, no matter how many gifts and talents we have, no matter how good KC or Yana or Grace or Anthony is singing, no matter how good the sermons are or our children's ministries and teachers or our CG shepherds, no matter how much power or people or size or money, no matter what happens, we are nothing if God is not moving within us. We need God to move, amen? We need him to work. And so Solomon realizes that. And before asking or exalting or doing anything else, he seeks the face of God. We need God for our souls to come alive. We need God to be used by God. We need God. Bless his name, hallelujah. And he wants to use us, y'all. He wants to move in and through us. I want to read one more section before we kind of go into actually a time of prayer. So beginning in verse 18, it says this. But will God indeed dwell with man on earth? Behold, the heaven, the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea, O Lord my God, listening to the cry and to the prayer that your servant prays before you, that your eyes may be open day and night toward this house, the place where you have promised to set your name, that you may listen to the prayer of your servant uh, offers toward this place, and listen to the pleas of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this place, and listen from heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Yeesh. Several things there, okay? First of all, verse 18 says, This temple, it cannot really contain God. And yet earlier we saw that God was willing to enter into the temple. All right? Now, look, I know that I graduated from Detroit public school systems, all right? But God said that he would dwell there. But then Solomon's saying God can't dwell there. He's too big for that, right? And so God is massive, and yet he's willing to dwell there, and yet God isn't really there, and yet he is there, and yet he's way higher than that, and my brain enters into a syntax error at that moment, okay? It's like the spinning wheel of death, you know what I mean, right? So it's like, man, what is happening here? 
And man, what it's seeing is that the temple can't really contain God. He's above that. And we, as God's many temples, we actually can't really contain God. And yet he dwells within us too. It says that the Spirit of God has been given to us, and now the glories of God are dwelling inside of man. And though we cannot contain God, just like that building cannot contain God, God, though he is massive and above all, decides to humble himself and to be intimate with us and to intricately enter us that we may have the presence of God dwelling in us. Just as uh, Solomon here is asking God to reign and to, to, to be present and to rule there in that temple, so we need to ask God to reign and to rule inside of us, his temple, and that God can make himself known in very beautiful ways in and through us. See, the Israelites, what they did is they used the temple to point others to the eternal things that were waiting them, the eternal temple, that one day we will be with God forever. And we, as many temples within our body, and collectively as we gather together, we should be pointing people to the glory that lays before them. The reason we do family, the reason we do worship, the reason that we submit ourselves to the word of God, the reason that we serve, all of it is pointing to something greater that one day we will enter into that eternal temple and dwell forever with Jesus. We get to foreshadow that now, y'all. This is what we get to do. We are his mini temple, and we need to ask God to move within us that he might be displayed. You see, the temple was nothing more than a point to point to something greater than itself. It was a foreshadow in a way, and we are nothing more than a point to point to something greater than ourselves. We foreshadow the glories that are before us. And we do that individually in the world around us, and we do that collectively when we gather together. When we exalt the name of Jesus and then disciple in sin, man, we show the powers of God and what is to be had. And so that's what Solomon does here, and that's what I really want to do this morning, to make God primary, to seek God's face. As we do that, then beauty and redemption occur, y'all. Like the power of God is made when we proclaim and highlight and remember the excellencies of God first and primarily, then as we move on mission with God, I mean, we can move in confidence and in humility that God wants to use us as his many temples. And so Solomon decides to dedicate the temple, and he begins not by highlighting Israel, not by highlighting the beauty of the temple, but by highlighting God and his beauty, because he's the truly beautiful one. He's the one that makes that place special. He's the one that we, our eyes should be focused on. It is all about God, and it will always be all about God. Hallelujah to that. That God wants to move within this. So just as Solomon prayed, we're going to pray this morning. But before confessing or before asking God, before envisioning the future, we just want to spend some time adoring God and worshiping him because it is all about him anyway, family. It is all about God and who he is. And so I'm going to invite um, Chris to come up and um, Anthony too, I think. And um, here's what we're going to do this morning. It's going to be a little bit different, okay? We're going to pray in the middle of the sermon, all right? We're going to do it a little bit different. This is a new space anyway, so if you're a guest, welcome. Solomon, he made a stage five cubits high, and he got down on his knees and prayed. We made a stage five cubits high, and we we're going to get down and pray, all right? I don't know if this is five cubits, actually. It's probably not, okay? But... Um, the band's going to be playing in a minute, and we're just going to spend some time seeking God's face. And so just as Solomon dedicated the temple and asked God's blessing over it, we want to dedicate this place and ask God's blessing over it. And we're going to begin by simply adoring God and worshiping him for who he is. 
And so we're going to do a couple of things. The band will be playing a little bit, and we're going to worship God, and we're going to adore him. If you're not comfortable with prayer, man, it's totally okay. We're glad you're here, okay? I would encourage you to use this time to kind of meditate on God. Maybe even ask God, like, if he's real to reveal himself to you. We believe that God still speaks, that he wants to make himself known, and maybe he's already begun to do that in you this morning through the worship or, or through the word. Maybe God's already stirring something up in your heart. Man, spend this time just asking God to move. But for those of us who are believers, man, man, let us actually set aside time to adore God. You see, Solomon, he dedicated the temple not by asking, but by adoring God first. And so we're going to adore God first and bless it. And so if you look at the slide on your screen, there's different ways that Solomon adored God. I have the verses up there, and there's a ton of different ways that Solomon uh, thought about God, his magnificence, the infinite nature of God, the omniscience of God, the grace of God. And we could do the same thing. Throughout the prayer, Solomon also thought about uh, what God had done for Israel and what God had done for Solomon personally. And so maybe too, during this time, we can think about what God has done for the well in the past. Maybe you think about what God has done to you at the well, how he's renewed your heart or set you alive or brought you community or, or whatever it might be. Or maybe you just worship God for who he is. But here's what we're gonna do, okay? If you're comfortable with it in your seat, we're just going to kind of pray to ourselves out loud, all right? If everybody's praying, anybody listening to you, all right? And if you're in spiritual care, just kind of like whisper like, oh, thank you so much. Okay, that's cool. Do you, all right? But we're actually just going to pray a little bit, and we're going to adore God. And so let's spend two or three minutes just lifting up the name of God, adoring him for who he is. Let's pray to him, worship him in our seats together. Let us exalt his name, and then we'll come back in a few minutes. Let's pray to our God and dedicate this praise by adoring him in prayer. Amen. Solomon goes on, and he says this. If there is famine in the land, if there is pestilence or blight or mildew or locust or caterpillar, if their enemies besiege them in the land at their gates, whatever plague, whatever sickness, whatever prayer, whatever plea is made by any man, by all your people of Israel, each acknowledging his own affliction and his own sorrow and stretching out his hands toward this house, then hear from heaven your dwelling place. And forgive and render to each whose heart you know according to all his ways. For you, you only, know the hearts of the children of mankind. That they may fear you and walk in your ways all the days they live in the land that you, give, that you gave to our fathers. Solomon, what he does here is he goes into a sort of confession interlude. In fact, from verses 22 through 31, it's just a bunch of prayers of confession. And he uses similar phrases. He says, hear from heaven and heal, or hear from heaven and forgive, or hear from heaven and restore. And what we see is that even though God dwelled in the temple, God actually dwelled in heaven. You see, God was intimate and willing to dwell with man and make himself known amongst us, but he was also powerful, and he actually dwelled in heaven. And because of that, he is able and mighty to forgive, y'all. God isn't just intimate with us and walking with us, but he's also above us and therefore has power. But with that power, he doesn't crush us, but he heals us. He gives himself to us. He restores those who seek his face. And Solomon realizes that, man, there's going to be sin that happens in the camp. 
just because that day was awesome doesn't mean that the Israelites won't start forsaking their God and running towards other things. And man, when they do that, Solomon's thinking about the future there. Like when they sin and when they come humbly before you, will you hear from heaven and will you forgive? And look, the same is true with us, y'all. Like, man, things will happen. We ain't always going to be perfect, right? Like things will mess up. Like your boy be bugging sometimes, okay? I need your forgiveness in the future, all right? Like I need you to extend that grace. And look, don't get it twisted. Y'all be bugging too, all right? I need to extend grace to y'all and us to each other. And there will be times where we'll be tempted to, to stray away from God. But God promises if we seek his face and he will forgive. And so Solomon, he dedicated the temple by confessing, by being humble before God, by trusting that God wanted to forgive. You see, if we pray to God, he is able and just to forgive us of our sins, the scripture says. You see, where we are open, openness actually breeds healing, family. When we are humble, God moves. God's hand moves when his people are humbled before him. And so we want to dedicate this place not just with praises to God, but with humility before God to say, we ain't got it all together. God, we need you to move. We need you to be uh, forgiving us and using broken vessels to make much of your name. And so over the next few minutes, we're going to pray prayers of confession. You could pray this in your heart. We won't pray out loud again like we just did. There'll be confession on the screen. If you want to read a prayer of confession, you can follow along in that way. But we're going to spend a few minutes in humility. Man, pray. There's things in your heart. Just confess that before the Lord. He wants to forgive. If there's hostility or anger with God's people, man, let's be unified. Man, pray for the future, for protection and for unity here at the well, but let's seek God's face in humility and dedicate our bodies in this place with that same humility because God moves amongst the humble people. And so let's spend a few minutes, two or three minutes here, just confessing to God and praising him through our posture of humility. Let's pray. Solomon concludes, or doesn't conclude, he continues in the prayer, verse 32, by saying this. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, comes from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when he comes and prays towards this house, hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you in order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people, Israel, and that they may know that this house that I have built is called by your name. The temple was not just for Israel, it was a missionary project for the world. You see, this body and our church is not just for us, but it's for the world around us as well. It's not just for our edification or so that we can have community or fall in love with each other, but God's household, God's people has always been about the nation's family. God has always wanted the, the nations to come to know him. God is exalted when disciples are made and when people live sent lives. That's what we're about as a church. I mean, think about this context, right? Like, like this is the most Israel-centered thing that ever happened to the nation of Israel. Like, this is their temple. 
worshiping their God and, 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 and their own way and their own land and their own people. And, and there's no foreigners amongst them right now. But even in this moment, Solomon can't help but gain the heart of God, which has always been for the nations, and look to the future and say, there is a people that aren't amongst us right now that need to be with us. And he realized that that temple was meant to be a place that was pointing forward that the nations may come. And so we too, as we gather together, should be looking forward and say, man, there are people amongst us right now that are going to go out and make much of Jesus in the world around us. They will go to the nations. In fact, we also should say that, man, the nations will come here. That two years from now, there will be people worshiping God here that are not here today. That darkness will be pushed back in Austin. That the nations will come. God has always been about the redemption of his people, family. You see, God is the God of all the nations, not just of Israel. God has always been about the nations and isn't calling them to conform to a certain way, but rather to submit themselves to him as their loving Savior, Father, and God. And this is what the temple's purpose was. It wasn't just to and for Israel, it was to and for God. And this is what we are called to do as many temples. And as the temples collected, not just be to ourselves, but to and for God and his name in the world amongst us. And so let's dedicate this joint, y'all, to everybody who's going to be here in the future. So the future missionaries sent out, the, the future uh, churches planted, the, the future CGs that are multiplied, where more family is able to be had. Like, we want to be a people that are looking forward to the glory of God being more clearly displayed here in this city. That we are a people that point forward, that push back darkness, that highlight the beauty of God. You see, Solomon was able to pray this even before the cross of Christ, before he really saw how big God's heart was for the nations. We're on this side of the cross. We see that Jesus wants all mankind to come to him. And so we're going to spend two or three minutes here. We're going to pray out loud again. And let's just pray and ask God to move and to move amongst us and to use us and to make much of his name in and through you, the mini temple of God, that the Holy Spirit would come alive in you and use your gifts and that collectively we would make much of God together. And so let's pray for two or three minutes, and then we'll wrap up here in a moment. Let's pray and ask God to move in this joint. Amen. Solomon concludes his prayer after worshiping God, confessing his sin, and adoring who God is, and seeking the nations. This is how he ends in verse 41. It says, And now arise, O Lord God, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might, let your priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let your saints rejoice in your goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. Solomon was seeing what the temple could be. It was a resting place, a refuge for those who believed in God, and it was also a witness to the world around them. And I see what the well could be, y'all a resting place and a refuge for the people of God, that we would find family here, that we would know each other and be known by each other, that we would have friendships that last, that we would be able to build one another up, that we would be a refuge and family for each other and also a witness to the world around us. That as we as many temples go out into our places and exalt the name of Jesus there and as we gather together as the, as the people of God, that we could be a witness 
that those who do not know God would see the beauty of God and and want to know him. He is worth following, y'all. We love him. He has done so much for us, and Solomon is able to see that, and we see it that much more. Man, there's so many things that we want to do and be as a church. I mean, even just in this upcoming couple semesters, there's a ton of leadership development stuff that we want to do and different equipping classes and and trainings that we want to put on. Man, I, I want to see a few churches planted here in the next couple of years and missionaries that are sent out and marriages that are being restored and children that are being discipled right now. As they hear the word of God, they be our future missionaries. They go into the nations, that they would come to know God. I see the baptisms that could happen or the friendships that are being built. I mean, even just this fall, like, there's a potential of us partnering with the seminary to offer seminary credit to those who want theological training. Like, there's all these things that God is doing in and through us. The college ministry that's starting to blossom where we want to bless UT because the nations are there and we can reach the nations from there. And as the people come in and we are a diverse group of people, man, we can go to the nations and go to the world and, and train up others. A ton, a ton, a ton of stuff. And just like we were in Campbell for six years, and so the length of elementary school, so we kind of want to be in Martin for like three years, and that's it, like the length of middle school. And then when we graduate with straight A's and we go to a more permanent home, we want to look back and realize all the stuff that God has done. Like in just this short amount of time, we want to see God move here, y'all. And we believe that he can, that he wants to move in and through us, that he wants to, to come amongst us. Like, can you see it, family? Can you see it? Can you see the chair that's next to you being filled with somebody who doesn't know God right now that is worshiping with their hands raised just two years from now? The churches that are going, can you see yourself going with them or going into the nations or, or leading a team or a CG or, or beginning to serve or beginning to find that community? Like, can you see it for yourself, your mini temple? Can you see it for our temple as we gather together as the people of God? There's so much beauty that can be happening. There's so much uh, awesomeness that we want to see God doing. But but here's the reality of this, friend. I I love this. Solomon was praying with a sort of confidence. He was praying with with an exaltation. He was praying with expectation in mind because he knew the promises of God. In fact, I want to read verse 42 again. It's a significant verse. Solomon concludes his prayer by saying this. O Lord God, Do not turn away the face of your anointed one. Remember your steadfast love for David, your servant. You see, God is actually going to answer Solomon's prayer. In fact, in chapter 7, which you can read later this week, God literally answers the prayer in really beautiful ways. But Solomon was praying with this confidence, with this expectation. He knew that God would answer him because of the steadfast love of somebody who went before him, his father, David. You see, David was faithful, David was righteous, and in fact, God made a covenant with David, and as God gave David his righteousness and made David a man after his own heart, there was a king that went before him, and God promised that king that he would answer the prayer request of his son. And now Solomon is praying with boldness, y'all. Do you see it? We also have a king that went before us. In fact, we have a greater king than King Solomon. We have our King Jesus that went before us. 
You see, Jesus, as he was praying, he envisioned this, that as he was on the cross, he saw you worshiping, that because of the faithfulness and righteousness of somebody who went before us, now we can pray with confidence and power because his faithfulness and righteousness have been placed on us. God will listen to your prayers because of the prayers of somebody who went before you, family. Praise God. Praise God that because of the faithfulness of Jesus, man, God wants to move in and through us. Our righteousness is not our own. We just confess that. But you are righteous if you believe in Christ because of his righteousness. That God will be faithful to his word, not because we're sacrificial or serve. Look, if God doesn't move, then we are nothing. We said that, right? But I believe God wants to move because he wants to make his name known and Jesus' faithfulness will go before us. That as we pray to God, God will hear us and answer because of the one who went before us. Praise God that our Jesus, the true king, the one that was truly after God's own heart, that he went before us and made a way. And now we can with confidence and with beauty and with power, we can walk in the reality of that, that we can send out missionaries, we can exalt God, we can even worship God and come into his presence because Jesus allows it. Because in his body, there was a way that was made. You see, Solomon's praying something, not even realizing probably what he's saying, this beautiful gospel moment. And Jesus is praying, realizing full well that one day you will be worshiping here. He sees it. And I see it. That God wants to use us, y'all. And so as we exalt the name of Jesus, as we make much of his name, as we focus on him, I believe that God will move in and through us, family. You see, it has always been about Jesus, and it will always be about Jesus. And when we die and go to heaven, we will exalt the name of Jesus forever. It will always be about our God. And so let us exalt the name of Jesus together. Let us make much of his name and highlight the beauty of who he is. I love that in chapter 7, what they begin to do is they actually begin to worship. And they begin to sing praises and lift up shouts to God because of the beauty of who he is. And so thinking about us adoring God and coming humbly before God and asking things of God to move in and through us, we're going to do that too. We're going to respond in worship. And we're going to thank God for who he is and worship him. You see, they ended the dedication by worshiping God. And so as Solomon prayed this prayer to dedicate themselves and that temple to God, so we lifted up our prayers to dedicate ourselves and this temple to God, that God would move amongst us as we gather together to make much of him. But then we're going to end in worship, and we're going to dedicate to God by praying praises of worship and lift up the name of God in this place. Amen? God wants to move, y'all. I believe it. I see it. I see the leaders that he's putting here. God wants to make much of his name. It ain't about us. It ain't about the will. In fact, if he wants to close us down and have all of us go do different church stuff, let's go do it. Let's just exalt the name of Jesus wherever we dang are. We want to exalt Christ. He's worthy, y'all. He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. And so I'll invite the band up so we can, just like they did, to finish our dedication by singing worship to God. We will sing worship in a moment. And so as the band comes, would you pray with me? And let's seek God's face one more time in prayer together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for going before us. You are good to us, God. I mean, we, we love you, Jesus. 
thank you, Christ, for doing so much in the will. I pray that you would do more. That you would make your name more, more known here. You would exalt your name more here. That our bodies, the temple that you have decided to dwell in, Holy Spirit, will be used by you for your glory. I thank you, Jesus, for being the true temple and that that temple was torn down and broken, but three days later, that temple resurrected and now you dwell within us. Thank you, Father. We want your name to be highlighted and glorified, God. Use us in this place. Use us in this city. Use our lives for your glory. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, God. Thank you for who you are. As we sing prayers of praise to you, would you hear our songs? Would you move amongst us and would you move amongst your people to make much of your name? We pray this in your very beautiful name. Amen.